The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. And a Oh, I see. God, I get through it once, lady. <laughs> I'm Eric. I'm Jonica. I'm Vanessa. I'm Joe. And I'm Alicia. I brought Jonica to the show and she doesn't remember how to do fucking podcasting anymore, obviously. Oh, She's interrupted my purpose. intro three times, mostly to talk about um, making me cry, which is valid. I get it. Uh, this is episode number 252, and uh, we're going to talk about breaking the formula. I've got uh, a little something to discuss. I think we should name the episode Making Boys Cry. <laughs> May not be too far off. Um, we're outnumbered today, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I feel attacked, but we probably deserve it. You do. Wait, now that's the wrong attitude, sir. <laughs> You're part of the problem now, right. not part of the solution. No, he, he was the smart one. He remembered his wife was in the room. Right. Oh, I remember. I just she's on the clear on the other end of the room. Yeah, mine could reach me. Wait, 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 wait. Did you get me a straw? Because if you didn't get your, right there, if you didn't get me a straw, right there. I'm gonna make you cry. That's it's right there. Get the straw, lady. All right. We were supposed to bring it to her. I'm a little busy. I'm running a show. I've tried to explain this to her for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love. It's funnier if I'm on her side. I'm trying True. to run this show. Could you be professional? It's okay. We Jonica's back on the show, which means we broke the internet like three minutes ago. You know, right. it's just nobody nobody knows what to do with themselves now. Um, she came kicking and screaming too. It was really I did was like, not. <laughs> I no. agreed to it. I tried to nap for half an hour, and now I'm here. Yes, you you did very well. I appreciate. I you. even put clothes back on so I could be here. All the way to the studio. All the way, we're live in the studio today. Yeah, we haven't done that. You in made a me leave my fucking house again. We What's got out. Of, wrong with this man. We got out of the car, and Joe looked at Vanessa and said, "You're a real person." Yeah, you're not <laughs> just a screen. <laughs> you guys had met, right? Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Checking. It's just been so long that she wasn't like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, definitely. Little squares and the uh, hovering in the ether. It's weird. I'm I'm talking, but I can't also see myself. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not that it's a post-COVID world so much as it's a post-vaccinated world, and at least amongst ourselves, we're gonna think we're go, we're gonna go ahead and proceed our gamer best and take advantage of the opportunity to game together until somebody tells us something nastier has come along, right? And we don't get to hang out anymore. Please, dear God, no. Yeah, right. I don't want to lose my well, volunteers again. Really, I'm worried about a fourth wave with, with a bunch of the new strains from Europe that are going to hit. Yeah. And Kansas is acting like it's all, Ooh, yeah, we're great. We're going in places without our fucking masks on. And you know, half of them haven't been vaccinated. Ooh, look, man, we're at the bar. And I'm like, oh, we know that from the don't numbers. Don't come to the zoo. Right. We know that from the numbers that the, a lot of people here aren't getting vaccinated, and the hospitals have been filling up. You don't again. even want to know how many what of my family Earth? members haven't been, and they're over seventy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so sad. You look at the uh, vaccination rate here in the county on their county website, and it spikes up as everyone's getting vaccinated. Now it's nothing. They're giving out a couple hundred a day instead of they peaked at like five thousand. Well, yeah. they were pumping through the day I went. They said 150 people every 15 minutes. Yeah, no, we got, we went to a little bitty store, and so where we got ours, and mm-hmm. um, it's two blocks from our house, so it was perfect. But um, when we went, it was like we had to sit in line, sit in line, and now it's like they're calling people. Do you need a vaccination? Need a vaccination? Need a vaccination? Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to give them away. Well, I mean, they're expiring. Yeah, they're expiring faster than people yeah. are getting them. 
And supposedly sometime this next week, they're going to open up the Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds. Yeah, we heard that. We heard that. But (laughs) our son never leaves the house. And so um, and being border borderline autistic, I don't know that we could. Yeah, I I think he'd be okay. I think he'd be okay. She's making faces. Like it's rough. He He can't brush his. He can't brush his. He can't brush his teeth with an electric toothbrush. He can't stand people rubbing their fingers or their skin together, not clapping, but just rubbing their hands together. He can't. He doesn't like to brush his hair because he doesn't like the feeling. He doesn't like to take a shower because he doesn't like the feeling. You're telling me he's going to sit still for some bitch to put. He doesn't know to put a hole in him. Oh, a needle? Yeah, I don't think my little and I don't. The vaccinated. thing is, is that even though for us it's just a little pinch, to him we can't tickle him. You can't tickle him because um, to him it's overwhelming. So if he goes and gets a shot, I'm going to have to deal with a child who screams and cries about it for 30 minutes. This is not a little prick to him. This is the end of the world. So does he just have like a really high tactile sensitivity? Hmm. <coughs> yeah. Clearly. I mean, he that's... says it hurts, but really what I think it is is it's oversensitizing him. It's overwhelming stimulation. So he to him um, being tickled hurts because he doesn't have another word for it. But it's not really pain as you and I relate it. It's, it's so overwhelming, overstimulating to him that what word do you use? This overstimulates me. No, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. It's yeah. pain. Yeah. He, I, I remember when he did it, even when he was young, of course, because he, he's always had problems. But if another round of really bad shit comes, I'll make him do it. I remember right when now, he, though, when he did his shots when he was younger, it was it was the end of the fucking world. I mean, but I don't I don't know how common that is for kids. So I, I didn't necessarily. It's know. not usually. Was it was kid. him. And yeah. Nira, Nira was the kid where you poked her and she screamed when it happens when they're little or, you know, <laughs> and cries a little to give her a lollipop and her world is better. Gabriel is the type where you you can give him the lollipop and he's still going to cry for half an hour because you poked him. I'd cry all the way to the doctor. I'd try to run away from the nurse. (laughs) They'd have to hold me down. I'd try to hide in a corner of the room. And then I'd cry for 30 minutes to an hour afterwards. Okay. Next time I'm sending them to your house. (laughs) Okay. Allergy shots? Oh my God. That's like, it's it's such a medieval process. Twice a day or twice... Twice a week in both arms. Yeah. Good lord! <laughs> I have absolutely no problem with shots. I know I could yeah. never give myself one. No. No, no, yeah, really, I think I could. I, I never think have. I could give it like an insulin shot. I don't know if I could do anything that dealt with a vein. Well, because the insulin is like little pens you're just putting in, like yeah, the tissue. They're almost like spring loaded. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was even, even talking about the old style where they had to p- draw it, and yeah. I think I could do that in a fatty place. I don't think that would be a problem, but. You know? I, I, I would kind of be cringy the first time. I'd want one of my sisters who is who are nurses to be there, but after that, I would. See, be as it is, when I'm getting a shot, I, like, mm-hmm. I it's not that I'm afraid of needles, but I cannot watch it happen. I have oh, to look I, away. I, I love I, watching. I, it I'm happen. the other. Yeah, I was about to say I watch the, no. every stick, both COVID shots when I had allergy shots when I was little, like. Even when I got immunizations, I would just sit when you, and watch. When you, this is, of course, a fascinating tangent. When you, uh, <laughs> when you have blood drawn regularly for stuff, for, for testing, 
it really changes your religion about this stuff because they don't use tiny needles for that. No, right? no. That, they're sticking a fucking machine gun in the side of your inside <laughs> your arm and dragging it out of your system. And uh, I, I, I definitely watch it. Watch the whole process. It's even fascinating watching the blood fill the vials and shit. See, just once. once oh, I do that too. In, I watch. It. I can watch yeah. them fill vials of blood and all that, but I just can't watch the actual the actual stick. stick. You know what's fascinating <laughs> about this conversation to me? All the apes I've ever seen get blood drawn. They have to watch. If they can't see what you're doing to their arm, they won't let it you do freaks it. Freaks them out. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. All and their it, friends got to watch. It too. shows there's a primal. I, I can do there. it without watching. And I found for blood draws, I like to not look. I think it hurts a little less if I don't see it because it's they're such large bore needles that there's kind of, even though you're a little surprised, somehow it doesn't hurt quite as bad as when, the, when I'm looking. <laughs> but any other opposite. prick, I don't care. <laughs> For the ASMR portion of our audience, I'm very sorry that you had to go through the previous 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> I hope you stuck with us or at least skipped ahead. Uh, so this last, not this last weekend, right? Was it last weekend? Did we do, was it last weekend? Yeah, it was last, yeah, okay. last weekend. So much has happened since then. Um, last weekend, we had an event. We had our spring game fair. We had a convention where because of the COVIDs, we still were not getting together. I still don't know whether or not we're going to be able to do that in the fall, despite the fact that things may be opening up just fine. I don't, I hadn't been able to plan, you know, because you got to plan like a year ahead, and it's not really been the well, option. Well, that and anybody who's trying to have a wedding is going to snap up everything. Oh, yeah, the fall's already getting slammed, dude. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I'm looking at extraordinarily non-traditional venues at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hotels are just kind of laughing when I call. There's a park <laughs> across the street, and we'll just take over. Just, uh, actually, just rent the elephant. Some of, the, <laughs> some of the hotels, like the first hotel that we did our, our, our the, the hotel uh, that we did our very first convention at, yeah, uh, they don't even own that convention center anymore, right? Because in the through through COVID, they couldn't support it. You know, they were renting the property; they couldn't support it. So oh. it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of business situations have changed in the past year, but a lot of hotels, of course, I mean, they're built on top, literally built on top of their convention space, and of course, they're they're filling up fast. So uh, anyway. We we had an online con. We had a, a little event here, and uh, I know that Alicia, you didn't get to even participate. I, did I didn't. I Sad I actually got to play some games this time. I never fucking do that at my <laughs> events. It was really cool. I I actually w had scheduled more than I got to play because we had like one. I think we had a cancellation on Sunday, is what it was. Yeah, yeah. So the Sunday afternoon one. Jib we was going to run one, and he got his second shot like on Friday, and <laughs> the whole weekend he was updating me regularly. He's like, "Nope, still sick as a dog." <laughs> just, that it, sucks but yeah he had signed up to run a couple of games for us some cortex stuff and i was really anxious to try some more cortex stuff um with <laughs> james is gonna listen and goes what, what about me no dude i appreciate you i wanted to see how somebody else ran it uh but i i, I really uh i really had a good time with the games i got to play it was neat uh i, I, I should have played one of jib's games and then the First would've been, time would have been canceled. Any yeah. any opportunity came up. Ask him if there were clouds. Somebody always does. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody always does. It's it's Richard's privilege a lot of times. Uh, somebody brought it up. I think uh, and Richard's not here to talk about it, but the I, I want to say he was in a group playing a Cortex game with James from One D Forecast, or worked on one, and they didn't get too far into it before somebody at the table asked if there were clouds or asked something about clouds. I was like, you know that these are people. I mean, that's that's not even our local community or our local. That's that's an adjacent community that's <laughs> attached to us because they're part of our podcast network. It's like, wow. 
You know, work gets around, lady. <laughs> you made a difference in this world. Yeah, but it was jib. Was yeah. the was Cloudgate. the would, would that caused cl- Cloudgate? I uh, know it was you that caused Cloudgate. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> I ask a simple ass question that should have had a simple ass yes or no answer. So, what was the question? Just are there clouds? That was the question. We were in an airship and we were being chased by airshipy pirate guys, I think. And I asked, "Are there clouds?" That and he says, "Like a valid question." And I'm his just... next response is, "Do you want there to be clouds?" And that was the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Of course, it was it was fate. So the idea being that if you, if there's a thing that you want, you can negotiate for it. Blah blah blah. But I was brand new to the system. I knew nothing about it. And he asked me, and I was like a deer in headlights. I'm like, ah. Uh, what do you mean? If I want there to be, how does that? This work? is this is an environment. It either has fucking clouds or it doesn't have fucking clouds. This is not so. an optional thing. It's clouds or there aren't clouds. And if you don't know. I don't know. So, so if you don't know if there's clouds, I'm backing away from this. irony of this coming up at the very first show Jonic has been on in forever after we were talking about an event, an online event. But this was an online game that Jib ran, Jib ran for us. He was. Jib. He's a really sweet man, and he's a great dean. Do not take my <laughs> weird problem. In his, uh, he, he was running a fake game for us for the first time. It's the first time we were trying the system. And in his uh, narrative style... He likes to share a lot of the agency with players when he's running Fate. And Jonica likes her her train tracks, by the by the way. <laughs> this was a, it basically it was a situation where she asked for a detail of the world, and he was trying to get her to determine whether or not she wanted to establish that detail. You know, and and even the way he phrased it, she said, "Do you want there are there clouds?" And he said, "Do you want there to be?" And it was about the fact that she, with with fate, you, the game master could have you spend fate points to influence things in the narrative if you want. And you could have very easily said, if it's worth it to you to have clouds there, boom, there's clouds there if you spend a fate point. Because fate is, is kind of like, the fate points kind of represent the shifting sort of tides of fate. You know, the way things just kind of pan out, right? to do more with fate i know i've tried it before but i do not remember very many details it's a cool system oh no and i played with them again and did a much much better um i still i still don't think it's my game i like my tracks i i if i ask you an environmental question i just want an answer i don't want to have to negotiate and this was for now i've seen people negotiate for cool shit but i'm not going to negotiate for fucking clouds okay that's really where it is either there are clouds or there are not clouds i'm not negotiating with you on weather patterns this was just his style of running (laughs) the game too it wasn't that this is the way it's baked into the system fate is a very uh, very open to interpretation however game master and players want to use it so it, it worked really well in that case <laughs> well except with Jonica, obviously and you know we we blew it up into something um fun and because, well because we talked but, about it on a podcast and i kind of ranted about <laughs> about clouds. like off. you heard me now about whether there are clouds or not and you know poor jib had to now live with the fact that we caused cloud cage <laughs> In any case, we didn't get a chance to game with him, unfortunately, this this past weekend because he was sick. But it was it was really, there were still a lot of cool games. I got a chance to play in a game Vanessa ran. I got a chance to play yeah. in a game that Joe ran. So it seemed like a really great opportunity to 
kind of bandy about a little bit, and you guys got to do some other games you were in together. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. Were, so We which, were which, in Dread together. I played in your monkey, was it monkey pirate? Yeah, or mon- monkey ninja pirate robot. Got to yep. get in the right order. It's uh, alphabetical, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's that's what somebody said last time. So, oh, that makes sense. I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> I had neither. Right now on it. my phone. <laughs> yeah, and that was fun. Um, I think. God, what did I play? I played a pirate. I know I played we a pirate. Pirate, pirate accountant. accountants. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, pirate accountant. Best of both worlds, mm-hmm. right? Then I was a ninja luchador. Yeah, <laughs> he was fantastic. Yes. That was great. He was very excited about that. I, I remember. A, I had a cage match with a baddie with an alien. It was awesome. Yeah. It was interesting. <laughs> I remember pulling off a luchador move at the end just because it was funny and uh it was it was a very popular move. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun though. And I mean and I mean those types of games, I mean, there's a very simple, silly Oh yeah. Game. And it always is going to be. I oh, I, yeah. I don't think you could play that game and be serious about it. It's not really designed for it. Even the rules aren't taking themselves seriously. Yeah. I don't think you can make a serious game out of it. It's- but I can say that it is uh, a real... Hold pl- my beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shit. I forgot she was in the room. <laughs> I'm, okay, let's just put it this way. It's not impossible. <laughs> you know, if you want to make... If you really want to make a tortured character, you could find a way. Yeah. But talk about missing the point, love. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those right in the title where you're just like Monkey Ninja Pirate Robot. You know what you're getting. It's right there on the name, yeah. and it's fantastic. Remember, it was the last in-person Tsunami Con. I was signed up for it was a game in Savage Worlds, but it was called Trailer Park Shark Attack. <laughs> that right, one looked super fun. It was. It was amazing. I mean, instantly we were in a flooded out trailer park. That we immediately decided, well, if we're in a trailer park fighting sharks, we're in Florida. And it just went from there. <laughs> Didn't he awesome. have like a mini of like Sharknado? No, was I was expecting a Sharknado because I, I really figured there would be. But no, we we did end up blowing up sharks with propane tanks like you do. Like you do. Yeah. I uh, robbed a Walmart for beef jerky and then remembered I was supposed to be getting bullets. So I went back in to get more. <laughs> it was great. Dude, ridiculous. One of the games that Peter ran, I think, was a tongue-in-cheek game. Yes. Like, were you, was it, was it, were you in that one? Yes. Did you end up participating in that? Was, was that, in any, was that any good? Uh, it was interesting. It was his uh, Section D game that Section he ran D, on, right. on Sunday. It was Better Latte Than Never. Right. That's what it was. The name that stuck out at me. Wow. It was it was very punny, and I think Richard would have loved it. Yeah. It does sound like it would be right up his alley. Assamtees.shop. Hi, Richard. <laughs> Just filling in for him. Yeah, <laughs> just he's doing not the thing. Here. The other thing. But he doesn't listen to the ones he's not on. Oh, good this call. Is true. Good call. Oh gosh, I hadn't thought of that. Trey no, failure. It, it, it was a game that took itself seriously. Just there were a lot of like names of characters that were punny. Like there was a uh, milk and one coffee or milk and one sugar was one of the names <laughs> hmm. and nice. stuff like that. That's was, a legitimate name, yo. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> I worked wow. at Starbucks for nine years. Hey, you're the venti light cream two raw sugar bold, right? <laughs> and then, okay. then I look at her like, what's her actual name? She's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, that's pretty much it, right there. The lady that owns NJ's, I don't know her name. That's what she orders. You Sometimes she brings us pita bread. You remember her name? Nope. I never actually knew. Never it. I've heard it once or twice, and I always want to call her Nancy or Nina, but that's not it. It's. It's actually very um, Lebanese sounding, and I can never remember. Nice it. people, though. They are marvelous. She's people. super nice. 
So uh, the, the, I, the other thing, what was the other game I got to play in? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jaber's yes. game. It, 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 that was different for me. Now, I haven't played any of the uh, East Texas University stuff for Savage Worlds. I it, when it when it hit Kickstarter, I looked it over and I was like, well, you know, I I get it, and horror fans are obviously going to like this. Is it? And I realize I'm a horror guy. This so I realize it's a funny thing to say, but I'm not necessarily a horror fan. I'm just a horror GM. Oh, you are. Weird you need to, to make it. sure you get that last R in there, yo. Horror, no, it's but it's all true. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you pay me, I'll run a game for you right now. Um, <laughs> GM for hire. So if you, uh, <laughs> that's a freaking hot topic online, has been for the last year. Or so you guys noticed that? I added. Conversation that? What's that? Is that ETU? No, not ETU. I actually got Dead End. It's a zombie survival. Zombie survival. Oh my. That's what I'm Worlds. looking at running next. Of course you are. Uh, I, I mean, Savage is good for that. No oh, yeah. It. But this was different because it was like a foreign exchange thing. So we were in Italy, which is where Joubert lives, although it was in the other end of Italy. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But he obviously knew the area. Yeah. And uh, it's he was Italy. Fun. It's the size of Kansas. Of course, he knows the other end That's of true. it. That's true. That's true. We know both ends of Kansas. You know, this is starting trip. to sound kind of nasty. I'm stopping now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you were right in we so many gelato. ways. I, I I really enjoyed that. Now, interesting thing there is we were dealing with, um, we're dealing with that online dynamic, right? So there's a certain amount of complication in the technology. So when one person talks, others, certain other people, they're not going to be heard. You know, something is taking precedence somewhere. Audio is being ducked. Audio is being, you know, almost eliminated in some cases. Jaber talked a lot. Yeah, he did. And he was a real descriptive game master who just kept throwing out the information and kept on rolling. And I hear people throw it in. I'd, I'd try to say something. And I think that my audio was getting lost more than other people's. So it's like I try to say somebody else to say something. So it turned out that, like, Maybe two people at the table, and I know you were one of them, Joe, would manage to get things through. Right. And make things kind of happen. Maybe the other one, Shirley and Peter. Shirley and Peter, and for some reason, he was able to hear me. And uh, so, But he uh, kept things moving. Yeah, he did. It was a fun scenario. It was really cool. There wasn't really any much in the way of combat. One fight at the end. Yeah, we got to be Egyptian gods. It was great. Yeah, that was really In the one fight at the end, you guys, I was the very bottom card. You guys killed the person before it got to me. Oh, you never even got to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nah. That's great. But it was great because I, I could fly, so it didn't matter. <laughs> and then I played in your D&D game. You ran one of the yes. Candlekeep Mystery. You were in the uh, extra dimensional one. Whatever it's called. Yeah. Joys of something or other. Yeah. I don't. It, it was the fun. The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces. It was fun. And uh, I, I think uh, if that's in kind of indicative of the style and uh, brevity <laughs> of the Candlekeep adventures yeah, i could see how they could be really easy to drag and drop i also i also ran on sunday book of the raven also from it and it's similar vein it's they're more mystery and investigation based compared to just combat based yeah how'd that go it went really well i i did have to do quite a bit of rewriting on that one on the fly because the party was being very detailed about searching every room <laughs> of every part. So anyone who was in that game, if you were ever to play that one again, you'll see that the end is completely different because I had to kind of change it on the fly. Uh, of course. I do that with a lot of my games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you ran your Zelda game. Yeah, and I ran my Zelda game again. It went, I think it went better than the first time. Did it? I've actually okay. play tested it now. 
still I had to kind of abbreviate the end because it just I, I think I have too much in it. It just takes too long to yeah. for four hours. And you can't figure that out without playtesting. Right. So. And I've only now ran it twice. Was it the same scenario? Exact yeah. same scenario. And did you run another one? This weekend, I, I had my Savage Worlds Essence Perfumer and then the Monkey Ninja Pirate Robots. And how'd the Savage game go? It was interesting. <laughs> now, I've run that scenario. We were talking about that. Yes. I've run that scenario. Yeah, it, people figured out everything. I did have to kind of truncate the end because we were already right. a half hour past the, the ending and it was late. And we had someone from Brazil, I think, was playing in... In my game, so they it was already like twelve thirty, and they're just like, "I need to go to bed." Right. right. <laughs> well, everybody I talked to seemed to have a good time. It was a good event. It was uh, probably not as probably not as many participants as I would have liked for the spring event. We definitely had um, several tables that didn't get any play at all. You know, we all, again again we had more GMs, some more games listed than we had players participating and signing up. I don't know. This is the first time I've signed up for something and been able to run it. Normally, mine are the ones that people don't show up for. That's there's no consistency there either. You can't predict that shit. No. You know, it, it's funny what people will sign up for, what what grabs their their interest and what doesn't, and whether or not some people will gravitate towards games that because you'll see. Well, I'll see. I guess you guys probably aren't usually in position, but I'll see like a lot of games get one or two signups. And then the day of, or sometimes the day before, they'll stop, start disappearing and signing up in games that are filling up. So you know what it is. They're like, oh, there's not enough people signing up for this. It may not happen. And then I, I lose my chance to sign up for something else. I think that's, that's what definitely going to happen with my suede game because I had two players. And then all of a sudden I had two more that had dropped off of another yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, when Jib's game canceled, you, you joined Peter's game, right? Yeah. So. I mean, that's that's the way you got to do it. You just got to roll with the punches a little yeah. bit. And get the get the con. I guess <laughs> I kind of. I know I kind of got lucky that all three of my games I had were like most. I think I had one empty seat in all three of the games that I ran. And you also listed them early. I did. I listed them early, yeah. and then all of the games I signed up for happened to fill. So, well, we didn't. I got lucky. We didn't plan way out on this one because the the time frame wasn't going to work to try to plan any later. So. It was uh, just kind of what we could get. Uh, I'm obviously when the fall event rolls around, if we're still doing it just purely online, even we'll we'll have plenty of time to plan. Do you have a date for the stuff. fall con yet? Uh, if it's if it's a virtual con, I'm shooting for the 22nd through the 24th of October. Okay, that's my plan. But we'll see. <laughs> I can keep track of that, and it doesn't hit any of the October birthdays. Cool. Nice. Right. 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, it's after. Extension is over for yes, assuming it doesn't get tax people moved again. Anyway, uh, and then you guys said something about Riotama. Yes, we were both in. I know I'm spending like a, you know an hour on the uh, the games we already played last weekend. We were both in Tad's game where we were yeah, all Tad figuring was... out Riotama because even Tad hadn't played it. Now Riotama is a game that Jonica backed on Kickstarter. He was hoping Jonica out. would sign up for. Yeah, her. she wasn't feeling good. She definitely was talking about it. She we were talking. She was talking about it all even all up until like an hour before the game. Oh, that sucks. Uh, so how did it go? It was. It's an interesting system. It's the like the first half of the game. We were building our world, and there's a whole bunch of kind of leading questions and boxes to fill in, and it's completely like we were our. The very first question was like, what's the shape of your world? And we were in like on a double Taurus world. 
Interesting. Yes. So it was like basically a big 3D8 for anyone who doesn't know it. And the sun would like go through the center of one circle and down through the other and loop around while we were stationary. Which was the best description ever. Yeah. That's great. So, and it just it went from there where we built out the world, then we built out a town that we were trying to get to. And then the gameplay itself is all ba- is like all about the travel. It's about getting to where you're going. It's like journeys. Yeah. Like, and aren't the characters like nobodies? Like like villagers yeah. and stuff? Yeah, we were we were just nobody. I was I was a merchant. And I basically that was it. I was a merchant. Oh, I don't even remember what my character was now. Obviously, it wasn't important. It wasn't. <laughs> it, I mean, it was an average person. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point that Joe's character was leaning over a river, and I went, huh, I kind of want to push him in. And then we had a bad guy run up and try to push him yes. in. <laughs> the, I had made some really bad checks to see how I traveled that day, so I was really slow and remember miserable. And we get to the end, and there's this river there, and it's like it's been hot, and I'm tired, so I just go and dunk my head in the river because I wanted to cool off. And then I get almost shoved in by Vanessa, and then the bad guy, John, and I were kind of exchanging some knowing-ish looks there because when we read through the material, there was so much focused on the the journey, the travel part yes. of the game, and that whole idea of it, it's like takes the um, takes the the like random encounter thing to a new level. You know, it isn't, it isn't specifically random encounters so much as it is randomly determining how things are going to go for you in the course of your journey. Yeah. And so, each day has its own roles on, hey, congratulations, you're half hit points today because you got a bad roll. Yeah. Dude. And, and it's worse in a way than, like, the, the classic D&D sort of, like, let's roll a survival check at the beginning of the day to see if you get lost. Let's <laughs> just see if you forage enough to eat, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I was a um, healer. I remember that now. Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. I, I I really uh I really found the idea though of the the story element of it kind of fascinating. The the kind of the focus on and I don't know how much um, Tad went into that with this one shot, but like the kind of the the dragon spirits that are you he, know he had talked about it, but it didn't really. I think we needed more time to, much, yeah. yeah, with it being a one shot, he, he went into an extremely brief overview of this is kind of what's going on. There are four dragons of this and 12 dragons of this and so many overall dragons. And right. I'm one of these. And they basically, they collect or they protect stories. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. yeah. Which I think was interesting. Everybody's got a story in them. That's it, the idea. It was a super neat idea, and I really want to buy the system and actually run it, but it, it's something that's going to take more than a one-shot right. to fully grasp. If you want to borrow the book, let me know. Um, I, they had a really good deal when they were doing it, and so I bought the original hardback, and then they came up with a really good deal to add on their um, collector's edition, collector's edition faux suede. Do you still have both of them? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking you were talking about giving one away. Oh, you were, gonna, you were talking about giving one away at the convention that you, you got it, but then didn't end up running the game. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And so I still have both books if you want to borrow one. Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> we'll, yes, we'll get I do. it to you. <laughs> and uh, the other game you guys brought, of course, was the Dread game. Yes, the that, Dread yes. game. Matt, ran. that was my. Was that your first time playing Dread? No, it was okay. my third. Oh, that's right. You were. <laughs> She's an old pro now. Because I remember some people had played, and then like half of us had never played Dread before, and that was no. my first experience. Keep with in it. mind, this is online Dread, so there's not a lot of Jenga towers going on here. Yeah. Every right. single time I've played it has been online because it was at the Tsunami Con, and then I made Eric play. <laughs> And, and yeah. then there was this one. This has made, I mean, it was still amazingly tense drawing cards. I can't imagine how much more it would be with a Jenga tower. 
So I, I totally I need to really, buy that system too. I really am and a Jenga the next. Tower. <laughs> I have a Jenga tower. Okay, there you go. And I even know where it is. The next in-person con, I'm going to seek out a Dread game because I want to try it. With Matt the Jenga tower. runs one on Sunday morning every time. Yeah. Well, and yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he does. I think he lives in the Kansas City area. It wouldn't be hard for him to come down to the con. He mm-hmm. might have come down to the con before. He it's has. been so long since we had one that right. I don't remember now. He has. He's talking. He, he oh yeah, yeah. no, I, I know. He, in fact, he did it the one we did at the Midian Shrine. I remember talking to, or I, uh, that weekend because we had a Dread game on the schedule. It might not have been him. I don't remember. I remember Dread games at least. Yeah. But yeah, that's cool. Well, that was a that was a great event. That was a lot of fun, and there was there was a lot of games on the schedule. And there was yeah. a lot to choose from. So it's neat. Sorry you missed it, Alicia. It's sad. sad I face. just didn't have the vacation to take off. Yeah, Nira missed it all too. Same reason. Just kind of like she can't 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 plan ahead if I don't tell her a year in advance. <laughs> right. I understand. Yep. Uh, well, so we've had a game since then that kind of sparked some potential conversation, I guess, uh, because uh, Monday night we returned after the after this convention thing, and we hadn't really done much because uh, did, did we not we didn't game the previous week did no we? like the last two mm-hmm. weeks before because of your trip and right throughout town else. i couldn't remember what when when we got back or anything it's i've slept two or three times since then um it's uh it's it's the the money i get running which is you know jonica joe and and alicia are all uh, part of uh with nira is uh a very unique sort of narrative anyway in a lot of ways. And I've made a lot of, uh, I've taken a lot of pains not to run a traditional game. And so I kind of thought what might be fun to discuss a little bit is this idiom, breaking the formula a little bit. Because in any sort of genre of a game, of an adventure game, there are not rules per se, but there's cliches, tropes, and expectations that are kind of hard baked into it. And I mean, this is a D&D game. Right, we're playing D&D. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's 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 how much it doesn't matter, actually. Right. <laughs> uh, this is a D&D game, and the standard. I mean, what are the standard expectations of the 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 narrative in Dungeons and Dragons? Typically, you know, uh, you know, there's the initiative, the combat, like it's just all the normal stuff. There's uh, usually, you know, objectives of some sort. There's treasures to be found. There's creatures to be had. There's um, adventures to be set about on. Kill monster, get loot. Uh, Maps and minis and everything in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But which we have had some fun with that. (laughs) But the uh, one of the core kind of principles of it and i know we've we did have an episode once that was part of the uh things uh, eric apparently does understand about running good games series which was you know splitting the party because it's my prerogative (laughs) (laughs) um i i i feel like one of the more interesting sort of tropes that belongs very solidly in the DD narrative is and in most of these games, if you think about it, is that it's a party-based story. It's a group. It's an ensemble. And typically what that means is in the course of your adventure, these people are working together, traveling together, functioning together, <laughs> dysfunctioning together, right. whatever the case may be, and overcoming these challenges inherently cooperatively. 
But whether or not they do that successfully is kind of up to them. You're still they're still presented in that fashion typically, and it, I mean there's a lot of reasons for that. It puts everybody on the same footing. It doesn't exclude anybody who doesn't exclude themselves. You know, it's it's a, a very powerful sort of narrative tool for creating an equitable experience for everybody involved and seeing who grabs onto it, and seeing who doesn't, seeing who shines and who is or is or isn't interested, and trying to take cues from that if you're you know putting game and trail together. Um, I know, you know, Alicia, Jonica, and I have run a lot, you know, custom campaigns where you are kind of reading the room as you go sometimes and figuring out the next couple sessions, what you're going to do or how you're going to do it differently or develop from there with some overarching kind of plans, obviously. And sometimes that requires a little bit of uh, footwork, you know, narrative footwork. But one of the things I think I try to do uh, different, and if you're all wondering why I'm the only one talking, everybody's just sitting around nodding at me, by the way. (laughs) the uh the one of the things I like to do different is treat them it's to find opportunities in campaigns to treat the characters less like um a a unit and more like an ensemble in uh the more traditional sense of a story where you have a number of principal players who play characters or you know roles in this tale, but those roles aren't necessarily com- congruent at all times. You know, you're not necessarily talking about a party who's together doing the thing, doing the thing. Now, this group is a D&D group in, in terms of the fact that they are a group of people who have set themselves up with a quest. I, I let you guys do it to yourselves. Yeah. Set yourselves up with a quest. Let. I, what? Empowered you to do it to yourself? You guys just blame me if I get Forced. See? Blame. Right there. <laughs> but she said she likes rails, so. <laughs> yeah, she likes to be forced. Anyway, it's it's it's, it's uh, <laughs> oh, You think, honey? Wow. I may be misreading. Did, did, did I, I maybe some misreading the room on that one. Did, did I just hear I never ever 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 want to have sex? So, where's again? that mute button again? I can't find it. I'm trying to Um no, the uh the the, the this this tactic though of taking these characters who are ostensibly traveling together, working together, and treating them as individuals within the narrative comes with some pitfalls and some interesting challenges and some amazing opportunities. And I like pushing those envelopes a little bit and seeing what happens. So this is something that if you've never tried in, in a game, if you're if you're developing a story or you're developing a campaign, and of course not every not every group is going to rise to this. You know, some groups are just going to do their level best to game their way back into the gaminess of it. And it doesn't hurt. It just means that, you know, you, you, you probably are going to be frustrated as a game master for trying to do anything too creative. But when the story breaks down and, you're, and their individual stories take them different places, when the party is separated or when their, their individual needs or interests diverge. And, he, and here's one of the big ones. If you put it, leave it in the hands of the players, the agency belongs to the players, so that's fair. They should have every opportunity, for the most part, there's a caveat there, to determine the actions and behaviors of their characters uh, within the context of the story, within the context of the game. But when, when you leave it to them, a lot of times you don't find them making decisions that diverge. A lot of a lot of us habitually work together in that same sort of um 
Well, we used to joke about the fact that, especially with a party who every time that they split up, somebody got their ass handed to them by somebody, would keystone the cop away from from one issue to the next, which that's a reference to the visual of them, of course, bobbing along as a, as a group to, (laughs) you know, visit every beggar on the street to ask what they've seen this guy, you know, it's. Instead of instead of spreading, you know, and themselves I think out. Part of that is not even just, oh, that's how we get beat up as if we're separate is I think even if it's not consciously, it's like we're all playing together. So right. if and we, it's partially I don't want to miss out. Yeah, I say if you split everyone, some people are just watching and other people are playing. I regularly do that to my Saturday game and I'm pretty sure I piss off my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Well, pissing off your husband is part of the fun. True. I, I, <laughs> I feel like if if you – and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that mentality. Right. But if you get stuck inside of that, you lose a lot of opportunities that might otherwise exist in the, in the game space. And to be honest, and this may seem a little counterintuitive, but if you really think about it, that isn't much different than the where you're at when you're playing as a group. The only thing you lose is the opportunity to interrupt or interfere in somebody else's narrative. Right. If your character is literally not with them at that moment. And as long as it's an engaging story, right. it's it's fine. I mean, what you're I can tell you're getting at is on our game on Monday, <laughs> we all got separated. We we moved into a new dimension and we were nowhere near each other. Now, to be fair, I did this to you. Yeah. It wasn't a decision you guys made this time. <laughs> but um, with I feel like I need a cliff notes of this game at this point, because that sounds interesting. <laughs> oh, it's been an awesome game. It's really fun. Squelch so, is super crabby right now. Yeah, as he should be. Yeah. Yeah. He's having a real bad day. <laughs> so with this in this particular scenario, these characters have been dealing with trying to make their way back to their home sort of plane through this uh, sort of interdimensional kind of wonky journey. Instead of, I decided that instead of like traveling through some sort of etheric medial plane that, that bonds one world to the other, like through portals or something, it's like, what if that sort of thing exists, but only in that kind of border ethereal way? It's meaning they're always actually in a realm, some realm or another. They're just kind of in the, quote, edges of it, um, which means that if you get too terribly engaged or involved in events there, you might end up falling into it and not being able to find your way back. But they entered the boundary with the tools they needed. I called it the boundary. They entered this place with the tools they needed to get through these different places and get home. And that's their goal. And as long as they keep that in mind, they will eventually achieve that goal. So this gave me the opportunity to create these realms that they went to one at a time and encounter different kinds of challenges. And I decided, I, since they had started in kind of a fey realm at this point, I decided to play with some of the basic ideologies of um, extreme, like, uh, not not like planar, you know, t- tropes necessarily, but extreme constructs. Like we went from a fey realm to a, what was it, the realm of the, uh, the what was a, he- a celestial realm. Right. And then to the realm of the dead. What and then about to, the goblin you know, realm? The, the fey realm, goblin realm, was, and this game was the same thing. And then uh, there was the... The weird city that was kind there was of like, a, like mirrored, floating yeah. disc city. There was over the abyss. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. That sounds terrifying. That was fun. <laughs> Actually, it crawled along on these huge mechanical legs on the edge of this eternal rift. 
that sounds more terrifying. Yeah, it was fun. It yep. was. At an angle, no less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Um, it's a good way of getting rid of someone. You're just like, whoop, bye. Oh, and, you're a problem. Punt. And they eventually made their way to the place they're in now. And they, when they arrived this time, every time they've arrived, there's been disorientation. There's been, and sometimes there's been like a separation of like when they arrive, when they arrived in the, in the Land of the Dead. Uh, Alicia's character Squelch arrived first. I didn't even bother explaining to her what happened with Squelch because I decided that he was knocked out and taken prisoner immediately. So then uh, Joe's character, Vincarin, comes along and sees Squelch's captors. Leading him away. And I'm and, now trying to get to... And he gets knocked out and, and captured. And I get knocked out and taken <laughs> captive. And, yeah. and because they don't mind me just fiatting this stuff for the fun of the story, if I just tell them, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in this case, they, they came through the portal, and then I decided this next session to start, because it was literally at the end of the session, they all go through one at a time, whatever. Uh, this next session I started with... Well, okay, you wake up, this is the situation you're in. And then I turn to the next person who's in a completely different part of this massive city. You wake up, here's the situation you're in. And then the next person. I got to do some fun things with this one because we use D&D Beyond to keep track of the characters, and I have access to those character sheets. So between sessions, I went in and changed their equipment list to reflect what had happened to them. (laughs) Right. You took my pen, bastard. Don't think I didn't notice. Nero was terrified when she realized I had done this. So I saved her for the last. And and took away nothing, of course. You just gave her money. Because you're an asshole. It was also my way of fucking with the character, you gotta admit. Yeah. Oh, it did. It messed with her character. So I was pretty pretty excited of the way it panned out and the way you guys handled it. There was a really uh, great sort of byplay. Now, to do this, I needed to create opportunities where there was there was story to latch onto. You know, I couldn't just have people kind of come to themselves and say, "Okay, you're surrounded by a big city, go." You know, there had to be stuff happening. So there were things that happened to their characters who had been uh, reco- who had been like recovered from in in, in like uh, Joe's character's case, uh, she'd been found in the street, knocked in the head. They apparently have mistook her for somebody else and think that she's the bride to be of this lord who has lord never Deuce seen bag. her in person before. But um, you know, so I mean, there's that. And then uh, Squelch was—he was like he had taken some sort of um, gone, gone through something, obviously possessed. Yeah, and he was in this house of healing, and uh, I have extra voices in my head. He does. Yeah, he's an asshole. Too. I play the extra voices, obviously. Yeah. And how, how many uh, extra voices do you have? Well, just the one, but I also talked to my bowl of goo. I named him Glorp. Okay, so... That seems like um, a very adequate name <laughs> for a bowl of goo. She has a bowl of sentient goo. I stole it from a witch. That's all we know about that one. Yep. Yeah. Bowl of that's, a, that's a very Baba Yaga It may or may thing. not be anything. It, it was, was a very Baba Yaga <laughs> moment. But I was like, this looks like it might be fun. Put it in my bag. And it turned out to be alive. Yay. Uh, it in, helped open a door. In Jonica's case, her character is a uh, uh, Asimar. Mm-hmm. Yes, a- and so she dropped into, and I changed everybody physically too in this realm. Oh god! Yeah. So I've done a little bit of that in the other realms, kind of leading up to it with Squelch, I think. Um, so it probably didn't come as complete, completely out of left field, and that's one of the reasons I did it, so I could build to this and 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 make it work. But in this case, like, um, for example, she has the uh, Azamar archetype or power with the wings where they can make wings manifest. So when she woke up in this reality, she has wings. 
she's um can't can't fly very high or anything, but she's got them. And uh, she apparently for looks. She apparently she woke up out of meditation, not really remembering anything, and she apparently had been rescued or or, or found. Excuse me, she had arrived at this uh, monastery where these you know monks that were practicing apparently some forbidden religion see her as some sort of holy messenger and are hiding her from the rest of the world and and keeping her indoors because Interesting. of shit like that. So I she think of video games that have pulled up some stuff like that. And uh, then, uh, near I, I didn't do anything really radical to it except, you know. Here's your boyfriend, boyfriend and a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Dropped it. In, in every case, I introduced NPCs yeah. into the scenario that gave you people to interact with, to engage with, to run from, whatever it is you're going to do. <laughs> right. We all just kind of like, nope. And so one of the parts of the preparation for this was that sort of list of personalities and NPCs to work with and make sure I had some ideas there because I knew this wasn't going to be, oh, I drop him into a situation and he decides he's going to fight his way out of this. It was going to be, uh, I'm going to put them in this situation and they're going to need people to engage with in order to you know gain information, in order to leverage the challenge and figure out where, you know, what they need to do or, or get some sort of sense of direction. You know, it's basically to get your sea legs under you a little bit. Right. And uh, I think the session was a really good one. I think everybody's a little confused, but uh, not in a way that doesn't make sense because you've been dealing with a little bit of confusion anyway. Venkaran is real uncomfortable in this world. (laughs) She's a she was grew up as a sailor and not even like captain of no. She was a quartermaster on a ship, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Oh, you're Lady Venkaran. You're gonna marry the Lord and save the world." And was like in this super fine dress. She's never wore a dress in her life. <laughs> and now I'm like leaving and trying to find somewhere where I can get some pants so I can ride a horse. Because who's going to ride side saddle? It's good stuff. Yeah, it was great. I mean, there there are alternatives to that. You could always just take off the dress and go. Well, I found a merchant on the way <laughs> out did. there. Yeah, I found someone who had some <laughs> pants and I just stripped and put on, gave him this super fancy dress and put on regular clothes and jumped on a horse. It works. It did. Yeah. And uh did it. Well. <laughs> and then there's the fact that the party already has a small army of NPCs that generally travel with them that they're now separated from as well. Right. I found Helix, well, sort of. Yeah, you kind of found each other. Yeah. <laughs> I got knocked out, taken captive, and now me and him are held Se- captive together. Seems to happen a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not intentional. It just Part of the story, but but the narrative fun here was in breaking it down and and throwing the formula out the window. You know, it's like this isn't a party of adventurers that are off doing an adventure together. This is a a group of people in in meshed, you know, neck deep in a story that revolves around them, and that they have direct influence over elements of, but their story is their own. And, um, I mean, that's been something I think has been part of the narrative from the beginning with this group. You guys all had good backstories, uh, all strong motives that doesn't necessarily weren't necessarily congruent. Right. You know, uh, it was one of these situations where you could go the same direction together. You weren't necessarily on the same path. You know, and um, I feel that's... Uh, I'm pretty sure Jonathan's character still thinks I'm evil. Uh, is that... Would you say that's the case? I don't know about... This is... 
estimation of the warlock. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just keep your abyssal to yourself and you'll be fine. It just occurred to me that I don't know how uh, Nira feels, but I don't know if all the other PCs in the party feel like Nissa's really judgy. Because he thinks that you think she's evil. I don't think she's evil. What does Venkaran think? But that's Venkaran. That's the perception. And then Squelch thinks you make like you would make the comments to her to stop being evil or don't do evil things. So Venkaran thinks. And then we had our whole. Our whole bit. Like well, we you have to understand we didn't know each other. We right. met, and then you spoke abyssal. I mean, what the fuck am I supposed to think? <laughs> oh yeah, she, she's got a point. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it I, I'm a celestial creature. What the fuck did you think I was going to think when you start spouting abyssal? I was like, oh yeah, holy shit, ba- even. Listen, it, it fully makes sense, but it just in Ved Karn's but mind, she's you don't like her. learned more about you. She understands that you are fighting against the um fallen and she has nothing against you it was that that judgment was based entirely on the fact that she didn't know you right first you, impressions worked against you oh yeah, yeah very and then much so. and then mm-hmm. within the first you know in the within the first session or two she burst out in a demonic evil language i mean who speaks an evil language except people who need to speak evil languages which is why I took it because it's. Funny. And then it really upset her that <laughs> Nira spoke Infernal or Gwen spoke Infernal. Right. But for entirely other reasons. Yeah. For reasons. For reasons. See, my character in my Saturday game just knows a bunch of random languages. It's not necessarily good or bad, but it knows like Ogwen and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, that's fun, I guess. It's weird. Weird. It's about to come into play. Just the other players don't know it's. And I'm the only one that knows it, but we're about to start talking to mermaids and stuff. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> the party polyglot will come in handy. Yeah. So it's just a thing. I, I've, I was trying to think of other examples of games in which um, I've, I've seen or been party to break in that formula. And it's not necessarily specific to only D&D. Is where our most of our recent experiences. The Eberron game we had um, it had some pretty straightforward adventures in it, but you guys did tend to separate and do your own things. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even going some of you going across country without other people. Yes, other parts, other areas, which was neat. Um, of course, it had it, it was it was also Eberron. It had like the lightning rail. It had a train. For God's sake, I mean you could go across airships. We, we weren't more know. than a couple of days from each other right, at any yeah. given points. The uh, the any game where um, the expectation is kind of uh, tropey, but the reality can be so much more. I like to look for the so much more a lot of the time. And it, this isn't based always on game, obviously, because you know, we talk a lot like Savage Worlds and stuff like that. There can be all kinds of genres, but the genres often have their own expectations. You know, you run yes. mission-based games like Shadowrun or something, uh, or uh, you know, sci-fi games that often involve salvage operations or star fighting or you know whatever it is. To bring it back to, to the uh, game fair, the Dread game, one of the pages, one of the handouts was just here are tropes of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Keep these in mind when you make decisions with your characters. It was so much fun to play a tropey horror game because yeah. that is the point. Oh, that, gosh, that is yes. absolutely the point. Horror games are actually one of the hardest things in my mind to make into campaigns. I can totally see that. Yeah. I've done it a time or two with different levels of success. 
And one of the biggest problems is that you have to, in order to create that sort of tension, you have to apply a lot of pressure. And in order to make that into a story that's ongoing, you have to apply and then release and apply and release. So you have to, because if you just keep the pressure on, try to keep the horror elements constant, they lose their potency, right. and people, players largely with, stop. With the dread game, it's game. like we all knew at any point our character could just die. Right. You can't really do that in an ongoing campaign as easily. Not very successful. Dread is not meant for a campaign. No. <laughs> I have known people that have done Call of Cthulhu campaigns where you basically keep a stack of characters ready. Oh, but. yeah. Call of Cthulhu, definitely. <laughs> But I still wouldn't enjoy that so much as a game master running a campaign that's just a revolving door of characters. Now, in Call of Cthulhu, it's not because they're always dying. It's because they're always going fucking mad. Yeah. You know, they're turning into, you know, quivering jelly. Sanity checks are so much fun. But I, I feel like uh, like I did run a sci-fi horror campaign for a while that – it was Savage Worlds. So, you know, it, it had a lot of a lot of fun in the action components of the game. But I would do very horrific sort of – Story beats, and then the next session I'd do something that was very not. You know, there'd be some adventure sci-fi adventure stuff. You know, so it was, uh, that was the best way to handle it was to kind of try to put that pressure on, take it back off. But, that, but I still revolved a lot, depended a lot on tropes that made the game work. And the characters were a salvage crew. There were only certain times when I took advantage of the opportunity to throw a wrench into the works that made them go, you know, separate out their story into different places. And that's often when, as a game master, you take somebody's backstory and just hammer it into the story, into the narrative, in a way that is absolutely unavoidable. And some players, some players give you a lot of opportunities for that. You know, when, uh, when you gave me Squelch, you gave me a character who had this enormous potential for backstory that was left in my lap. Mm-hmm. Because you wanted you wanted to see what I did with it, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the consequence like, of that here, is here. Go play. Have the, fun. the consequence of that is that things keep popping up or things keep coming up, and you've been learning about Squelch's background at the same time that everybody else is. Right. And I've been learning more about it based on how you respond to that and where you go with the character to give me cues about what will make sense to him, because there's still this kind of undercurrent of even if he didn't know where he came from. His personality is forged from somewhere. Right. And it's, it is him. It is uniquely him. So however that works, you have to kind of figure out what those building blocks are and extract those elements from the story to use later in a lot of cases. Uh, so that's been really fun uh, as opposed to, say, Venkaran, where you didn't give me much, you know, very, very kind of sketchy stuff. So I decided, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what that was going to be. Her- the patron stuff on the warlock, I, I thought it would be more fun if I didn't know who my patron was. Right. Which and, I thought was really cool. And it's re- led into a lot of really fun interactions as I'm learning as a player, as my character is also learning. And again, in this case, as the game master, I took those elements, uh, your character's patron, warlock patron, uh, Alicia's character's family, you know, unknown family made them centrally focused portions of the campaign. So they're not just kind of random backstory elements that may or may not matter. They fucking matter. You know, there's, there's been no avoiding that. Uh, Gwen's constant struggle, you know, Nero's character's constant struggle with uh, the darkness inside herself that she's trying to avoid. You know, she's literally playing a paladin who has um, 
dark sort of magical influences. Interesting. You know, um, and she's got a bloodlust to her. She, she can't deny or anything, but she wants to just be a simple person. She was just a merchant. She was a carpenter, her former family of merchants. And she left home because she was afraid she was going to hurt people, didn't understand the delight that she took in these dark things. That, did, did you, you know, just say paladin with a bloodlust? Yes. <laughs> Because a paladin also, doesn't have to be particularly good or anything. No, you know? it's Nerdy just not expected wood. for that. Yeah, she loves wood. Loves wood. Yeah. Loves wood. Very nerdy mm-hmm. about it. And uh, and that's not a metaphor. Yeah. It's not. No, literally wood. <laughs> Although, it, I guess, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, last session. And uh, Nissa. She said more yeah. sex than anybody else in the campaign. It's true. <laughs> so much. With evil but the rest of people. us are virgins. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Except for Gwen, who lays it down, l- goblin fey realm. The only place she didn't was the damn dead realm. I guess she didn't in the celestial realm, but that was because there was no one else but us <laughs> and an old guy. You're reminding me of some interesting stories from some of my past things before I met y'all. <laughs> and now, and now, she's hooking up with two of them. It's she true. got one of each. And someone in one of my old campaigns that decided that they were going to sleep with someone to try to get a room for the night. And Justin, who was running that campaign, decides to go, oh, so you're going to prostitute yourself? And she goes, I'm not a prostitute. He's like, well, you're selling yourself for a room. So that's kind of how that works. Yeah. (laughs) Then Hmm. she had to roll on an STD table. Like you do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, no, it, it, it doesn't have to be obviously terribly coarse or anything, but I feel like um, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Uh, any, anybody have anything to add on that? I just I I don't know if um, I if in your experience you've seen the the kind of the standard tropes just shattered much in in campaigning. It's something I really I'm curious about whether other people do very much or if it's just something that I habitually kind of throw at my players. Well, the one thing I have to say is you definitely have to have the buy-in from the whole table. Yes. Because... Easier with a small group. It's, yeah, way. it definitely would be. Yeah. And, like, some of the stuff you've done with our group that is awesome, if I was running a, a public play space at the borough, I don't think it would work. Because if you had someone, like, the, the some of the players there are not willing to sit for 30, 40 minutes enjoying the story of another character. Because they're just they're, that is a point. Yeah, that is a point. And if you know that your group is like that, isn't going to do that, then you're obviously it's the wrong place. Because mm. you don't want to you don't want to exclude people intentionally from the fun right. if that's all they're there for is for their involvement. But I honestly, and I realize I, I hear a lot that I get spoiled by my groups, but you um, do. I yes, you I do. Honestly, I we're, we're vouch awesome. for that too. Yeah. A long history of running games where players were split up doing individual but things, but not and, at public play spaces right, not with like random the groups. borough, right? Yeah, not with random groups, not not at game days or conventions or anything like that. Is this is uh, it's something that you have to know your players a little bit. You have to know what they're going to deal with and how much of it they're going to deal with. There's a, a kind of an adage about um, being able to find ways to feed the individual interests and needs of your players in every game session if you can. So, uh, and the, the example I remember reading this was years ago, so I don't remember where. But the example I remember reading was if you got that one player that what they really need is something that is completely just theirs in the course of a game session to be happy, that nobody else is really a part of, 
then while everybody else is planning and executing the raid and doing the things and doing the things that this person's just not really that invested, you have that rabbit over there pop up that's pink and looks at them funny and then jumps over the side of the hill and gives that person a chance to scramble over there and follow it and do a thing and have a little thing happen. You have this whole little thing happen that takes maybe five minutes, but you just made their fucking day. You know, so sometimes it's just a matter of knowing your players and what they're going to respond to, what they need out of their gaming experience. And sometimes, a lot of times you don't know that unless you talk to them. You know, you may think you're an insightful motherfucker, but let me tell you, <laughs> there, are, there are times. I think I am you know. that person in my Saturday game because my halfling rogue randomly wanders off a lot. And Justin <laughs> gives me a lot of reasons to randomly wander well, off. And, and some players are like this as players. And other people's vary by the character and the play experience. And by the table, yeah. So Alicia the dynamic changes. is usually really good at those little moments. I mean, even in our game on Friday with the um, the Chewinga, was very much a small thing for Brittany. Chewinga? They're these weird f- elemental spirits. They're cool. They're little tiny humanoid elemental creatures. They kind of look like no face, but they're itty bitty. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I freaking love them. They wind up in every single campaign I've ever run now. I'm going to have to look that up because they sound interesting. They are. And they can like bestow little blessings on people so I can use them to like. Can they bestow curses? Because that. I don't see why not. Okay. It's up to you. You do the unseely version, is what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, between that and stuff like that. I now have ideas. And the mm-hmm. Almirage that are now our different characters. That, I did not put that Almirage there special at all. Yeah, but... She just went, ooh, bunny with a unicorn horn, I need it. And now, right. there's, and now there's a bunny corn. And so, of course, my uh, barbarian has been trying to eat it the whole time. Named Fluffy. <laughs> my my son has some of this, too. Yeah, you have okay, to Okay, so, and you think chicken block... Uh, chick, uh, sorry. Cluck and Bright. Cluck and Bright was a problem? I didn't say a problem, <laughs> just not serious. Cluck and Bright is totally serious, what and is I'm it? offended. I'm just assuming Cluck and Bright is a lit up chicken. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it was a, it was a a chicken they picked up along the way because of course they did. Of course. Who has they put a necklace with continual light, a continual flame cast on it? I think it was. My goodness. Uh, hanging around its neck, so That's it looks like its neck is always on fire. It puts off like, you know. That would be a terrifying well, looking the, chicken. The problem is, is what happened was I got a chicken. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nero's like, do you want a chicken? Eric was describing the landscape. He didn't ask if there were going to be chickens, by the way. He just said there were. Jib. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you and- goddamn know well you could have said, are there chickens? And I would have <laughs> I would have responded, do you want there to be? <laughs> but he was describing it, and my character was a farmer cleric. She was a self-determined cleric of a god. Okay, so she's just a farmer. And her character was a barbarian. And she goes, do you, do you, would you like a chicken? She just looked at my character, and I'm like, I'd love a chicken. So the barbarian runs around the yard until she catches a chicken, puts a rope on it, and then gives it, gives it to the farmer. She's in love. It's a chicken, right? We don't know what we're going to do, but we go in this room and there's no light. <laughs> what do you do? So I, and we knew they were probably bad guys because we'd encountered some. So I put continual flame on the rope around its neck and threw the chicken into the room. <laughs> so now we have this fluttering, squawking chicken screaming around the room, casting light on the unsuspecting 
morons who thought they were going to catch us with their pants down. And we go in there and slaughter everybody. Well, now... Like you do. You have a mascot. You yeah, have a hero. Designated destruction. Chicken, uh, Bright, because Bright saved our lives. We'd have walked into that room with no lie. We'd have gotten our asses handed to us. But Chicken, Cluckenbright, Cluckenbright saved us. And so now we had our mascot. And, and is, she's totally serious. I don't understand. Whatever. <laughs> we could not live without Cluckenbright. I, f- I feel your pain. Right? I had a player one night. He invented Disco Dan. There's a skull with a rock inside of it that had light cast on it and every time they went into a room they would roll the skull <laughs> into the room and he would talk to the skull like it was alive like and then you one do. day one of the other players talked to the skull and said are you okay do you need a safe word <laughs> and then they decided the safe word was blue and then a third party member cast uh, prestidigitation or thaumaturgy I can't remember one of them and turned the skull blue Oh my, this is getting complicated. <laughs> it got wow. real weird real quick. Wasn't that the same group that had the long arm of the law? It is indeed. It was a zombie arm that someone picked up and killed someone with. So no, became, they killed another zombie with it. Killed another zombie. So they kept the arm and would use it as a weapon, and it was the long arm of the law. Mm-hmm. Because zombie arms make good weapons. <laughs> right up until splack, they break. Splack, splack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had to get a new arm a couple times. It fell apart. That's fair. But they always had an arm. It was yeah, as, long, as long as you know what your priorities are. Yeah. Ew. We got the party split up in our dungeon adventure the other night, too. Ooh. Yeah. It was uh, interesting. Actually, it worked out really nicely because uh, people... Ended up evenly split-ish. Yeah, and, and people had to be like done at different times. So it just so happened that the party that was kind of ahead of the others in terms of the time frame got kind of their part of what they were doing out of the way, and then they all had to split. And the three players that were left were like, yeah, we could kill it for another hour. And so they finished what they were doing upstairs because they were separated. They'd, they'd just gotten separated in the dungeon. But I mean, it's it worked out just fine, and and again, I I imagine there's that potential for anybody to get bored while other people at the table are doing other things. And part of it was, um, one character separated off. Two of us couldn't play that session, and one character separated off, thinking everyone else was going to follow. And then we decided to run away. And then they decided. So <laughs> now you had one character who was off on his own in an area that technically could kill him. So when the two the two other characters came back, me and uh, the other Jason, came back um, to the game. He had us come back with the other character who was... Kind of wandered into the same area where he was. So that he wouldn't most likely die, die on his own. He would have lost Because he was in an area lives. that was meant for a party, not a meant for one dude and he didn't necessarily make a bad choice he thought everybody was going to follow him he didn't intend well, to were, separate himself they were dealing with a pretty tough fight he got through it because he was faster and, and more agile and that was what he was determined to do while other party members kind of ran right into the fight and had to withdraw withdraw like and so he ended up shit. getting he ended up getting separated on accident you know it's not like he purposely said okay guys you're gonna go over here but I'm you know and right. it's not fair to punish him for well, I wouldn't have anyway and it, the fun make of it, it was that it gave us an opportunity to do that and not not only make it work, but make it so that so that there wasn't any consequence for it. That Anoki you know. was off licking mushrooms. 
like she does. Mm. And it gave her our way to have a, a group that we have more connection with this what? side now because we've done more with them mm. and stuff like that. No, it's okay. neat. And no key. It's based off of the um, what's the what's the common Japanese mushroom? The, the I have shiitake. no idea. Shiitake. They're called an uh, anokitake. And so we named her after after the anokitake mushroom, which is another Japanese mushroom, not as well known. And um, her name is Anoki. Nice. She's a uh, f- fungus druid. See, when you said it, I thought you said gnocchi also. And gnocchi. <laughs> and now I'm hungry. Right. Yeah, same, right? Well, on that note, we I can let everybody kind of get out of here if you guys are ready to shut down. I knew I knew it wasn't going to be very long. Uh, I'm ready because I'm stewing in this room. It is warm uh. in here, isn't it? It is definitely too. Well, I, I have zero control over the air conditioning, and this is the first time we've been back in the studio for yeah, a while. Yeah, but last time it was cold, and the air conditioner was constantly running. Remember, and yeah. you could Which pick was it noisy. up. Yeah. yeah, and now it's like now the air it's now it's summer, and the air conditioner is well, like with the building empty, we probably could have propped open the door. It didn't even oh. occur to me that might have helped. But and there's no fan, and it's just five people in this little room heating it up. I wonder there's if we brought in a little wall. fan if we did. It's this only next hot because Janica's here. It's me, it's all me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all hot flashing now. <laughs> we just have to make sure it wasn't noisy. Yeah, you know, that wasn't going to pick up a bunch because it's hard to take that kind of background noise out sometimes. It's a constant. I can do it. He I has a it. he has a thing that will do it, but. Wow, it's a lot of processing, though. It is, and it takes it takes a long time. He has to like usually cut the segments in like thirty minutes, and then have it processed for two hours, and then. Oof. Well, I hope this one. Uh, I hope this one recorded all right. We'll find out. <laughs> if not, we had fun hanging out. Uh, so yeah, if there's anything you'd like to add, you want to be part of the conversation, feel free to drop us a line. Feedback. Or go to a sum teams. That's not right. shop. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, how much have you had to drink, dear? Uh, feedback at prismaticsunami.com. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Or do that. We also have a, a Discord server. You'll find the, the links all here on the page. And uh, drop in and, and let us know what you think. If you have anything you'd like us to like to share with us, anything you'd like us to read on the air, happy to do it. With Within, you know, a reason, obviously. But... Uh, I, I find that I'm pretty loose about that, though. There's a lot that can be reasonable if you if you look at it the right way. So give it a shot. I'm going to go ahead and let everybody go. Uh, thank you for joining I'll us. even let you use the F board. Uh, what's that? Fuck! Okay, that's enough. Um, the uh, <laughs> Language, dear. Uh, thank you for joining us for episode number 252 of Metagamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Jonica. I'm Vanessa. I'm Joe. And I'm Alicia. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. Oh, my goodness. Good night. Yep, yep. Yeah.